This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, October 14th. Thanks for being here. I am Jerem Jordan, teamed up with the man... And Spencer Linton, who is already scouting out Big 12 sites. He is live from Waco, Texas, outside of McLean Stadium. Spence, what's up, man? How's Waco? Waco is nice and humid. A lot of rain last night, but we're here. It's going to clear up for BYU football at Baylor on Saturday. It's supposed to be a beautiful 72 degrees, and I have good news, Jerem. I have located the weaknesses from the Baylor Bears football team in something known as McLean Stadium behind me. There are apparently two 10-yard areas at the end of about a 100-yard football field that if BYU gets into on a regular basis, my friend, then victory is imminent. It's that simple. We so just d- tell the team. All they got to do is get into the two end zones. We paid you for this insight. Um, and and yes, McLean Stadium, yes. I say yippee-ki-yay, right? That's what I say to that. Um, <laughs> your trip was shorter than Hal and Phillies in the BYU equipment truck. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. As the crow flies, which is not how BYU transferred the truck, it is 1,007 miles between Provo, Utah, and Waco, Texas. For the latest on the truck tracker, out on the road for the longest road trip since the bowl game in Coastal Carolina, we now go live to the road. I don't even know where they are. Hal Morell on the phone with uh, Philly Talfa in the truck. Hal, how you doing, and where are you guys? We just hit the Texas state line in Glen Rio, Texas. And how's it going? It's going well. We've had good conditions. The weather's been wonderful. And um, traffic's been light, so it's been good. This has been the longest trip, obviously, since Boca Raton and Coastal. So what's it like to get back out on the road for a, a trip longer than Logan and Vegas? Um, This one's really fun for me because all six of my grandkids live in the Dallas area. So it'll be a chance for me to get to see them. And and Waco's a great place, and uh, Baylor's got a good team. It should be a a great game this weekend. Absolutely. So looking forward to that. That's exciting with all the grandkids. That's awesome. Can Philly just give us a holler? Can we hear from Philly real quick? Hi there. Hey, Philly. How you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? Great. Stay safe, man. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. Thanks. Okay, Philly and Hal, we appreciate the time. Safe travels, boys. Thanks, guys. See you. Okay, that's Hal Morell and Philly Talfa from the truck. That's how we roll on BYSN. We're just checking in with those guys, and uh, they just crossed into Texas, which is awesome. It's beautiful. Those guys don't get enough credit, Jerem. I'm glad whenever we can shine the spotlight on the truck tracker. It shouldn't just be a Coastal Carolina thing. I'm glad we brought it back for the trip to Waco. Yep, safe travels. And uh, Philly and Hal, they're the best, man. They're great. Okay, good stuff. No one else is bringing you that today, I can tell you that. Here's your show lineup, the latest on the quarterbacks. Baylor Romney specifically, Aaron Roderick weighs in. Riley Nelson will join us to discuss the gamesmanship of sharing information about your former team. Obviously, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos with Baylor. Did Riley Nelson talk to BYU about Utah State after he transferred? If BYU beats Baylor, do we believe the Cougars will run the table? And Deep Blue Profiles and Nakua Brothers and the adversity of losing their father and how he set them up to use sports as a platform. But first, here's today's headlines. 
19th ranked BYU football now just over 48 hours away from their first contest within the Big 12 as a pseudo member of the new Big 12. Baylor is the opponent and a BYU quarterback Baylor Romney is an understandable major topic of conversation. Is he cleared to play after being concussed approximately two weeks ago? BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick has the latest. Um, he's he's back at practice. Um, he hasn't taken as many reps as Conover, so right now um, it'll, I'm not sure yet if Conover will be too, if, if Baylor, you know, where, where Baylor will be in the pecking order. Uh, that We still have another day. Jeremy, I'm glad that Baylor Romney has been cleared to practice to a degree, but if I'm reading between the lines, I just don't expect that he's going to be ready to go on Saturday against Baylor, which is unfortunate for BYU's quarterbacks. Yeah, Thursday's a big day for that, so we'll see if Baylor's uh, good to go today. But Baylor lived in the Mormon colonies, but grew up mostly in El Paso, so he's actually a Texas kid. It'd be fun for him to uh, be ready for this game should he be needed. Okay, headline uh, two, number eight, women's volleyball plays at 14-2 LMU tonight. That's a big game. LMU's pretty good. Cougars have won nine in a row and 27 sets in a row. BYU women's basketball picked to win the West Coast Conference according to the preseason coaches poll in the WCC. BYU has three players, Shaley Gonzalez, Lauren Gustin, and Paisley Harding on the preseason all-conference team, the most of any school within the West Coast Conference. That's pretty nice. Uh, Gonzaga doesn't return a ton of pieces. Uh, you know, just had the one player on the list, but preseason pick, I agree with it. I think BYU women's is going to be a fun team to watch this year. Elijah Bryant back in Salt Lake last night. Six points in 13 minutes for the Bucks in a loss to the Jazz in preseason NBA play. How about more Cougars in pro hoops, specifically Brandon Davies and Barcelona pull off a 79-78 overtime win over Olympiacos. Davies scored 10 points, had a couple of rebounds, two assists. His team have now won nine consecutive games. They're rolling. Yeah, women's volleyball and Barcelona. How about that? Nine in a row. Ashley Hatch in the Washington spirit of the NWSL beat the North Carolina Courage 2-1. Hatch, one of the leading goal scorers in the league still. Jerem, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports has ranked all 358 college basketball teams. How long did that take? Maybe I don't even want to know. <laughs> what I do want to know is where BYU is in that list and the Cougars coming at number 36. Not surprisingly, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, well, you guessed it, number one. Good for them. Good for them. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. 5-1 BYU, 5-1 Baylor. Number 19 BYU, unranked but just out Baylor. Baylor is a 6.5-point favorite in this game. Fun matchup. Toughest game left on the schedule, we think. Spencer, if BYU beats Baylor... Will the Cougars then run the table? Jeremy, this feels 100% like an emotional turning point game for the remainder of BYU season. So if the Cougars pull off the quote-unquote upset, then the good juju returns to BYU, and they need it. If they lose this game, all of a sudden BYU staring at back-to-back -back losses, one at home to Boise State, one to Baylor, and the Cougars have to go to Pullman, Washington, where Washington State is playing much better football. What if the Cougars beat Stanford this week? And I'm talking about the Cougars in red, and they're four and three, and they've got positive momentum, while BYU has back-to-back -back losses. Things could go south in a hurry, could get really weird for BYU. So 
This is becoming, the more and more we talk about it and think about it, a massive game for BYU in terms of flipping the page and trying to get something positive going. Now, if BYU loses this game but plays good football and they play as close to a complete football game as they have all season and Baylor just makes one more play, then that's a little bit different. But if BYU gets run out of McLean Stadium, for the record, I don't think that's going to happen. And I know you're worried about the Cougars potentially running into a 2015 scenario like they faced against Michigan. I feel like this is a much different BYU team. They're physical. They should be equally, if not more physical than Baylor. But if BYU gets run out of McLean Stadium, heaven forbid, things could get really weird emotionally. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, if BYU somehow figures it out and they get it done in Waco, homecoming week, it's going to be a raucous crowd, 45,000 sellout. It's a huge deal down here. So if BYU can beat the crowd and they can beat their own mental funk that would exist after losing to Boise State, then they could absolutely turn things around. If they beat Baylor on the road, why would they not beat Washington State on the road? And why would they not go home in an emotional game against Bronco Mendenhall and show up ready to go? And just like that, the Cougars are 8-1 and and 6-0 and against Power 5 teams and probably ranked back in the top 12 of the AP poll. Massive emotional swing game here, Jerem. My only comp with 2015 Michigan is not the result on the field. It's that BYU is ranked against an unranked team and an underdog. That's my only comp on that, so we're clear. I think if BYU wins this game, they still probably lose a game somewhere. Um, you're certainly right. If they win in Waco, why can't they win the rest of the game? No, they totally could, and, and they, could, they, they might. But there's a 3% chance of doing so still, according to ESPN FBI. It's just super low. There's going to be, if a Boise State game like Saturday can happen, it can certainly happen against Washington State, Virginia, and USC. I don't think it happened against Idaho State and Georgia Southern. And that'd be okay. If BYU finishes 10-2 and in the regular season, ecstatic. 9-3 and still might be good considering seven Power Fives in this whole season, right? And then you see what happens in the bowl game. If it's the Independence Bowl and it's Conference USA, you expect to win. If it happens to be the guaranteed rate bowl and it's Big Ten or Big 12, now that's an eighth Power Five, and that truly was a Power Five schedule, right? So we'll see what happens. I, I am uh, up for this game in a different way where I think this is going to be a unique challenge. It reminds me of Arizona State. BYU was really, really good in the Utah and Arizona State game of do, being ready for the game. And yes, BYU did turn it over twice against Arizona State, but overcame that with a couple of turnovers themselves, including the play of the year where Tyler Algier gets the ball back in the same play. It's crazy. But I, I think because it's a road test and it's, it's not 80% BYU fans in Vegas, it certainly is a different challenge. Baylor's really good. We know what Jeff Grimes brings to the table. He's doing great things with that offense. They haven't thrown an interception. They're averaging seven yards a carry. It's going to be a, a fun challenge there, and homecoming's a big deal. We talked about this. It's a homecoming game. It, there's a lot around this game, but if BYU can pull this off, I still think there's a loss somewhere in the final five. I don't know exactly who. Washington State, Virginia, or USC, but Certainly, BYU could run the table. There's just a low chance of doing so. Sure. I wonder if BYU wins this game against Baylor, then what does the percent chance, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, increase to of running the final five games? Because yeah. as you pointed out, 5%, then they have 8%. defeated the toughest team remaining on the schedule. Yeah. BYU had an 11% chance of starting the season 5-0, and which they did. So does the percentage jump back up to – Greater than 10%, 11%, 12%. Again, if BYU wins this game, 
then who's the toughest opponent remaining on the schedule? Is it Virginia at home? Are we starting to feel like USC to close out the season in a year where they might not even become bowl eligible is now less of a challenge than Virginia or even yikes at Washington State? I'm not ready to go that far, but what is USC? Who are they right now? If BYU passes the big challenge in Waco, man, I like their chances to keep that mojo and keep it rolling as they take on the Cougars in red and Virginia at home. All right, Jerem, topic number two. Does the outcome of Saturday's game for BYU at Baylor depend more upon quarterback play or, I hate to bring up the word because it burned BYU last week, is it more on turnovers? Um, it's a good question. It's probably both, right? Uh, but if BYU turns it over a bunch, no shot, right? It's just going to be tough. Unless they – I'm talking margin. If BYU's like negative two or three, feels like that's going to be tough because this feels like a, a, a good matchup, right? Against Arizona State, uh, again, this, this feels like Arizona State, like a good team that's top 25-ish that BYU's got to really show up for and can – handle, you know, BYU's power and speed. The Rock isn't at this game, right? That was a big difference in that Arizona State game. Tyler Algiers play, massive play in that uh, in that game. Can BYU somehow summon a similar performance without The Rock, right? Where they can limit turnovers, where they can take care of the ball. And we have yet to see a bad quarterback uh, performance, by the way. I, I know Jaron Hall could have been better, but he wasn't the issue on Saturday, as we've chronicled. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to say turnovers. I think BYU's really got to be uh, you know, even or positive to win this game. I, I don't, you know, negative one, obviously, you could be if that's not inside the 25. Like, BYU's turnovers on Saturday were super terrible uh, field position turnovers. Not, not all turnovers are the same, right? Inside the 25 twice, and then Lopini Katoa is going to score. So all of those were as bad as they can be, right? Uh, minus actually happening in the end zone. Think about how weird the atmosphere got at Lavelle Edwards Stadium after the second turnover that BYU gave up on that second fumble by Lopini Katoa. So if you want to talk about taking the wind out of the sails for a home team, case in point is five or six days ago, Boise State at BYU giving the ball away to the Broncos, a team that on paper they should beat at least nine times out of ten if they played the game ten times. So, Jerem, for me, it's all about the turnovers. And, yeah, the quarterback is a big part of that, but I don't think BYU's quarterbacks, at least from what we've seen this year, have been prone to give the ball away all that much. Sure, there have been a couple of interceptions. One came at the end of a half. The other came late in the game with Jaron Hall against Boise State last week and just kind of threw it up. Uh, I'm not trying to say that uh, – BYU's not going to turn the ball over with the quarterback, but if you want to win a game on the road and you want to quiet a crowd, man, winning the turnover battle is the way to go. And if the Cougars are going to beat Baylor at McLean Stadium, then I, it, they have to be within at least one, I think. If they're minus two, I do not see a scenario where BYU can be on the road against this well-coached of a team who knows BYU very well because of Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, and they'll know the tendencies of Aaron Roderick to a degree. I mean, if BYU is anything worse than minus one in the turnover category, I just don't see a path for them to win this game on the road, homecoming for Baylor, raucous environment. So, yeah, quiet the stadium, win the turnover battle, 
make things weird on the road, and hopefully BYU can sneak out of Waco at 6-1 and one and moving up the rankings. That'd be incredible. That'd be a really, really nice win, uh, and you stack it right against uh, Arizona State and Utah as some of the best wins uh, this season. Well, Utah than Arizona State. Okay, our question of the day. Does the outcome of Saturday's game depend more upon quarterback play or winning the turnover battle? Let's hear from you and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Spent two days in a row for BYU Forever on Twitter, or two of the last three. Not bad, right? Uh, winning the turnover battle. If you tell me that our quarterback, regardless of who it is, will have an okay game, I still like our chances. If you tell me we will lose the turnover battle, I'm very nervous. Go Cougs. It's a great point, Spence, because we've learned that this team is good. It does need the turnovers to influence the game in that way. Certain teams don't have to be positive in margin and still win. Recall 2016, BYU at Boise State is plus three, still loses. BYU is, uh, you know, plus, what, was it five or six? I'm trying to remember, against Utah or vice versa, and still lost. Like, sometimes that's not everything. You can overcome it with a very good defense, a very good offense. I think BYU is good all over the field to very good, right? Hopefully, BYU doesn't have to deal with that and can aid itself by not coughing it up and gaining a few possessions. We'll see. It kind of felt like every turnover that BYU did not commit in the first five games all kind of came out against Boise State <laughs> with the boy. So they just they saved them up for Boise State. Hopefully, they're out of the system. And uh, BYU beats another team that we think is going to finish with eight-plus wins, and they get another one of those quality, quality wins on the schedule. Amen to that, man. Like a bunch of kids right. saving their tickets at Nickelcade over a few visits. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling, brother, with uh, this. Zach Wilson apparently has a massive fan base growing across the pond. What's the deal? We'll update you. And Riley Nelson on his expectations for the BYU quarterbacks and the role of turnovers coming up in the big game against Baylor on Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation from Provo and Waco. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get ready for BYU at Baylor Saturday. Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starts at 1.30 Eastern. As we get you set for that with Jason Shepard and Gregor Bell and Riley Nelson and Mitchell Jurgens, Can't wait for that. 1.30 Eastern Saturday on BYU Radio and the app. We're live in Studio B. Jerem Jordan here, Spencer Linton in Waco, Texas. Uh, a, a tweet coming in from at BYU Equipment. Uh, truck Tracker, this is Billy Nixon, Dr. Nixon. We're now in Texas. This is from Hal. Didn't get a picture of the state sign as we entered the state. I was on the phone with Sports Nation at the time. Tell Ben, our producer, I'm sorry that I forgot to say all is well at the end. But all is well from Hal. To which the uh, Cameron Tucker fan club tweets, well, we can blame Jeremy Jordan for that. It's my bad that Hal didn't get the picture of the Texas state sign. My bad. But we had him on the phone. BYU at Baylor coming up Saturday. Lots to discuss in this one. This morning, I chatted with BYU radio analyst Riley Nelson about the matchup. Riley, a roller coaster of emotions from Saturday to now where, hey, the undefeated season's over. BYU coughs it up a bunch. Uh, now BYU's playing a tough Baylor team. Maybe the toughest game left on the schedule. What are you going through emotionally as you navigate a season that, 
obviously has been successful for BYU, 5-1 and one through the first six, but now BYU plays a tough Baylor team, and, and you hope that BYU comes out with a win, which would actually be an upset according to Vegas, even though BYU is the ranked team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're trying not to dwell on the past, but it was it was a disappointment. You take away the points off turnovers, and the defense performed great, right? Holding their offense only to field goals, and the offense. Obviously, there was enough enough production from a yardage standpoint, but the unfortunate fumble in the red zone. Anyway, it's it's been well documented. My, my tough thing is two losses in a row. It, like if you were to lose game three and game eight and finish the regular season ten and two you don't lose as much momentum because you, you know, you take a minor hit and you and staring down the barrel is what is there to me, the toughest challenge, uh, at least definitely thus far. And probably what will be of their entire 12 game season. Uh, it will definitely be an up, get uphill climb. And if they don't happen to come out on top, you've got the two losses right in the middle of the season. That's going to take all the steam out of at least the publicity and the notoriety. I know the locker room, I know Sataki, I know the coaches, the captains, they don't care as much about this, as we all do, but suffering two losses right in the middle of the schedule puts you in this V scenario, right? Well, sorry, actually it was up, then down, and then climbing your way back up. Um, but Washington State, USC, Virginia, you know, these games on the back end of the schedule have potential to, you know, quicken that slope back up into, you know, being a top 20, top 15, maybe even if they can, if they can somehow pull it out of Baylor, then they'd be right back into top 10 conversation. But you asked how I was feeling and I just let a whole bunch of thoughts and emotions out on you. So needless to say, I'm uh, conflicted, but hopeful. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting too, because Saturday it's like, Hey, if BYU takes care of the ball, probably wins that game. Um, let's talk to quarterback situation versus turnovers. What will have a bigger impact on the game? BYU's ability to take the ball away and not cough it up or Quarterback play. Great question. I I don't mean to be too simplistic, but I think it's turnovers. Uh, Kalani Kalani Sitake coach teams whenever they take care of the football, they win the va- They win every game. I think it's every game but a couple. And you know the five seasons. Well, going on five seasons that he's been here, uh, and this team has shown that they're a complete team that's able to. Uh, get it done in all three phases. So I think, uh, and quarterback play is only one aspect of the offense. Uh, I believe, and Jim helped me out here, but I believe it was Coach Lamb who said this week, you know, you can't, when you ride a guy like Tyler Algier or Lopini Katoa to, you know, victories early in the season, a couple of times that they happen to lose the ball and you lose, you can't turn around and turn your back on them. So those guys, the run game's been able to win games of itself with defense and special teams. So long answer, but the short, short answer is it's turnovers over quarterback play, because I think the rest of the, the phases would be able to overcome a potential lackluster quarterback play, which by the way, there hasn't been, I mean, there's been some games where the quarterbacks perform better than others, but the, but the floor for through six games is still pretty high for all of the quarterback, I guess, both, both Baylor and, and uh, Jaron. Yeah. And it's super interesting that way because Jaron Hall did not run last week. He's got a rib injury. It makes sense why he didn't run. Aaron Roderick said this week, no, he's ready to go. Like, he can run now. 
We're, he's good, which is great news. Baylor Romney's coming back from a concussion. Hopefully he's available Saturday, but the likelihood is that he's probably not. Aaron Roderick mentioned yesterday that uh, Jacob Conover is actually getting more reps with the number twos than Baylor Romney is right now. So who knows? Thursday's a big day from practice of who establishes what and when and going into the game. But let's say turnover margin's even, so it's straight up, right, with Baylor. How does BYU win this game against a Baylor team that Vegas is telling us is better than BYU? Yeah, and I think just uh, that that Vegas line I think has to do a lot a lot of the fact that it's a sellout. I believe it's homecoming for Baylor, and uh, they're coming off a big performance last week. Keep in mind, Vegas is not purely objective; they also play on the emotions of betters. And so you've got Baylor coming off their best offensive performance last season, and then BYU coming off probably their worst. So uh, a lot of the I think in a vacuum, it's probably not six and a half points. It's probably a little bit tighter than that. But I can also see why Vegas put out that line because your average voter, or sorry, your average better out there, um, you know, probably is is parlaying the emotions from the last week performances. Uh, but if all things are equal if in the turnover margin, all things are equal. Jaron Hall, look, he, he needs to avoid contact. There's no question about that. I think all, all BYU fans, if we could have the Max Hall days back where you knew that you were going to trot the same quarterback out there for three straight seasons, we'd all take those in a heartbeat. And one of the ways that you do that as a quarterback is you avoid contact, but there's a difference between avoiding contact and being scared of contact when you're injured, even if you're not consciously, um, you know, scared, so to speak, or consciously hesitant or reluctant, um, subconsciously that could potentially be there. And I think I, I think I saw that a little bit now that last play of the game, you know, he exposed his ribs, took a shot to the ribs, popped right back up. But I mean, which, which was great that every quarterback's got to be able to stare down the, you know, stare down the barrel of getting popped while he's throwing the ball, but this offense, all things being equal, this offense is best when Jaron Hall is running. And I'm not talking about 13, 15 carries a game. I'm talking about what we've seen from it, what we saw from him against Utah, what we saw from him against Arizona state, which were performances about seven to nine carries and producing somewhere between, you know, 60 to 70 yards. It keeps the defense honest. It allows you to pick up timely conversions in key spots in the game, whether it's third downs, whether it's, you know, flipping, he had a couple of big runs in both those previously mentioned games of 20, 30 yards that flipped field position led to the scoring drives. Um, so if he isn't ready to use his legs the, in, in their full capacity, then that's going to be a difficult obstacle for this BYU offense to overcome. We're talking to Riley Nelson, radio analyst with BYU Radio. You can hear him every game day calling the games on BYU Radio. Riley, when you look at BYU and Baylor and this situation with Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos on that side, you were a guy that switched teams. So it seems like it'd be obvious that Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos are saying, this is how we did things, to try and get an advantage of the gamesmanship there. So my question is this. When you transferred to BYU, did you talk about what Utah State did because you're trying to win that game. Yeah, this is an unspoken rule uh, specific to my situation. When I transferred, it was uh, also a new coaching staff. So there weren't as many of those proprietary, but from a personnel standpoint, I was like, yeah, I mean, here's what I think about this guy. Here's, you know, practicing against this guy. Here's, I think where we can attack him. Here's where he's strong. Here's where he's weak. So I think that's going on, but it, look, it, it happens. And everybody understands that it happens. Um, but in fact, 
I, funny anecdote. I was listening to uh, Spence Checkets on ESPN 700 up here, who obviously that's a huge station, was interviewing Arizona State because they play Arizona State. And the Arizona State play-by-play guy was talking about how and by the way, I'm because I'm on BYU Sports Nation, so I'm going to call this out for what it was. <laughs> just throwing all sorts. It was just excuses because they were talking about BYU's uh, the BYU Arizona State game, and the play-by-play announcer was talking about how BYU has a grad assistant that was with the pro was with Arizona State last year, and how they spent all this time changing signals and changing the way they communicate so that signs wouldn't be stolen. Uh, to me, honestly, for a seasoned staff like Herm Edwards and and the rest of those guys, if they're making those kind of mistakes then that's on them. They've been through this before. What happens when you have, whether it's coaches or players switch is at the beginning of the week, you know, Dave Aranda and the defensive side of the ball is going to come over Jeff Grimes after having done their initial film study and said, Hey, they run this concept. What do you think? Hey, this guy, I think might give us some trouble. Can you give us some pointers? But the reality is if you deviate too much, worrying about this kind of insider trading or this backroom espionage, you're going to, you're going to put yourself out of your, what you normally do, what you're best at, right? So the best recipe for any team when going against uh, an opponent where, you know, someone from your side has recently switched over to their side is continue business as usual. Realize that even if they know what's coming, they still have to stop it. And if you execute at a high level, that's going to be very difficult for them. So don't get outside of your, you know, don't get outside of your head. Don't get, or I better said, don't get in your head too much. Go in there doing what you got to do, knowing that, yeah, they might, if you've got a couple, you know, wrinkles up your sleeve, they might be prepared to get those where you might catch a different opponent unprepared, but you run your base stuff and you focus on execution, execution, execution. And if you, like we said, or it's like the old, remember the Titans line, right? we got six plays it's like Novocaine, you know, you give it time, it, it'll always work, which that whole philosophy is based on execution. And I think this BYU offense is based on execution. So even though Grimes and Mateos maybe feed Miranda one or two points here, I don't think it gives them any kind of significant advantage. And it goes both ways, right? BYU knows how Grimes and Mateos function and coach and probably how those signals come in. So that's super interesting. And so what we just learned, Riley, is that if you really want to succeed, according to the Arizona State play-by-play, all you do is hire a GA or staffer of some kind from every team you're going to play on the next season, right? Yeah, exactly. And not to diminish the role of GAs, but like the guys who are like, they're just the life of a GA, right? You're making cutups. You're, you don't have much say in the strategy or the game plan that's actually implemented. You have a big role in the execution of it all, but like in that staff room, you're putting together cutups, you're pulling, you know, you're doing the statistics on the film. When it comes to the actual strategy and the play calling on the field, you have next to zero influence. Baylor's running for seven yards a carry and haven't thrown an interception, and they've been really impressive. They have some nice wins. First three games are pretty easy. Last three, um, you know, some nice wins there. Um, what do you see as advantages that BYU perhaps has over Baylor that it can exploit? I think um, the advantages are just a deeper schedule of having been tested, starting off the program or starting off the year, the schedule with three P5s, um, you know, going on the road against Utah State, taking their lumps against Boise State, right? There couldn't have been kind of a more deflating or, or, or kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth kind of loss than, than was Boise State last week, whereas – yeah, Baylor suffered a tough defeat, but it was more like a moral victory defeat. They haven't hit 
Baylor, I guess this is a long way of saying BYU has the advantage of really being tested, having their metal tested. Now they're going to have to prove they're going to have to come out this week and show how well they passed that test or not by how well they're prepared and how much they, and how effectively they've been able to put Boise state behind them. But that to me is the main advantage schematically or talent wise. This, these teams are pretty evenly matched. So I don't see whether it's a front seven matchup or their receivers versus our DBs or our receivers versus their DBs. Uh, I don't see any kind of significant weakness that either team could exploit at which makes me most excited for this game. I think this thing is going to be, I don't know that it'll, I think it'll be like a shootout, but not like a shootout in the forties. I think a shootout in the high twenties, low thirties, but it's going to be one of those games like a Tennessee was two years ago or a USC was two years ago where like, it's going to come down to the end of the game and who's going to step up and make a big play. And like those two games I mentioned from the 2019 season, hopefully it's someone from BYU and they can come out. What will be a really quality quality like landmark win on this season schedule it is a big 12 showcase game whether we like it or not right BYU's going to the big 12 in two years and all of a sudden boom BYU plays Baylor and now everyone in big 12 country is going to be watching this I want to go back to Jaron Hall for a second do you feel like his rush aggression level could be or might be dictated according to Baylor Romney's availability Ooh. It's a good question. It might be, it's, I don't know. Cause I'm not in the, in the room. So I'll, I'm just going to speak from my experience. It cannot, it cannot be contingent upon who his backup is. It's the old, whether you want to call it, you know, the old Viking method of burning the ships or the old cliche that if you have a plan B, you don't really have a plan a Baylor needs to go in there with a winning mindset, whatever he and coach Roderick determined that to be. And even coach Satake did determine that to be and go out and execute. And I think, like I said earlier, this BYU offense is best when he's running. I think he's best when he's running. And uh, no matter who the backup is, honestly, at, at that point, that goes back to what I said, like you can play to avoid contact, but if you're playing scared, reluctant, or hesitant in any way, it, it does two things. One, it limits your opportunity to actually be productive. But two, in my experience, it, it actually increases the likelihood that you get injured again because you're not playing at that full speed you're not playing all out so i i sure as heck, i sure hope that um his willingness or aggressiveness in the run game is not contingent upon whoever's backing him up we'll see what happens saturday 1 30 eastern time BYU radio coverage begins riley as always we appreciate time man thank you so much Riley Nelson, former BYU quarterback, radio analyst. We bring Spencer back in from Waco. What's your reaction to Riley's thoughts there, Spencer? I just uh, want to know when Riley's going to become a full-time member of BYU Sports Nation because his analysis is always super on point. Um, I agree with him in terms of – don't have the budget for that. The advantage for Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos versus the BYU coaches, but we'll touch on that in next segment more specifically. Okay, awesome, good stuff. Uh, coming up, Deep Blue with the Nakua's and is the familiarity between the coaching staff, as you mentioned, help or hurt BYU. We'll break it down. This is BYU Sports Nation from Provo and Waco. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, the Cougars are giving us all the feel-good stories we need while we wait for game day. Check it out on the BYUSN Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube account. See you, Spence from Waco. I am 
Jeremy here in Provo. This is BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to interact with the show. You can uh, get great content throughout the day. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. Let's whip it. Cook Whip Round is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. All right, Jeremy, I'll go first. Does the familiarity between the BYU and Baylor coaching staffs help or hurt the Cougars? It's both. Uh, it helps, uh, but it also hurts because BYU is familiar with Jeff Grimes and what he does, but Baylor's familiar through Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos and Matt Marshall, a, a GA, who's on the staff from BYU to Baylor now, of what BYU does. So it's both. Yes. I, I, Trevor Maddich of ESPN mentioned to us that he thinks it's advantage Baylor. And I disagree with that. No offense to Trevor, but I think it's a wash, really. Fessy Satake and Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake and all those guys, there are more minds technically in the BYU room trying to scheme on what Mateos and Grimes are going to do compared to what two guys in Baylor are going to scheme on what the entire BYU offense is going to do. So at the end, it's a wash, my friend. And it's physically what is uh, the process of the play calls coming in. They'll have to change that. BYU and Boise State was the seventh highest rated college football game last weekend with 2.44 million viewers. That's a lot, man. Largest viewing audience of the year for BYU. Was that a good thing because it was in a loss? Uh, exposure is fantastic, but not necessarily when it's the most viewed game in the context that you just brought up. I hate that BYU lost to Boise State in front of that many TV viewers. The hype was real. The exposure was there. It stinks that BYU could not deliver the win. However, there's a bigger story at play here, and that it goes back beyond this season, Jerem. BYU is a valued commodity. There's a reason they got invited to the Big 12, that they were the first team that was invited, we think, according to Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, they were the obvious choice. It's because they bring in viewers for every football game. The numbers bear that out. And uh, yeah, listen, exposure can go both ways. And BYU was a top 10 team who was trailing for the entire second half. So a lot of people were tuning in to see if BYU would hold on. How about this, Jerem? One Zach Wilson is leading the NFL jersey sales in the United Kingdom. Um, why do you think that is? Because the Jets played in London. But Matt Ryan's jersey isn't that popular, so it's got to be more than that. I don't know. Good looking kid. The green pops. Maybe that's why. I don't know. So upon some research, apparently there are a ton of New York Jets fans in England. What's their Jets problem? Fans in England? a better what's team. The, what's the deal? Why? Why do they like the Jets? But apparently they do. I don't know. This is from the Daily Universe. Uh, the BYU Cougarettes Instagram account has been taken over. The new owners have a place in the description. Quote, this Instagram account is held to be sold back to its owner. End quote. According to the universe, the owners are asking for $1,000. The Cougarettes have 80, uh, 79,000 followers. Do we need to start a GoFundMe for the Cougarettes? What in the world? Somebody took over the Cougarettes Instagram <laughs> account and is asking for a $1,000 ransom fee, if you will, for the social media account? Uh, no, just make a new account. Instagram can funnel you everything that you've already posted. We live in a very advanced digital age. Like, let them keep it, shut it down, start a new account, make a better password. That's ridiculous, man. Cougarettes might be the best thing at BYU. They're amazing. Holy cow. All right, coming up, my friend, we are all smiles for today's Rise and Shout Out. And uh, Puka Nakua can never stop smiling. Samson's fun, too. Deep Blue with the Nakua's. If you've already seen it, you'll want to see it again. If you haven't, make sure you stay tuned for this. This is BYU Sports Nation.
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Countdown to kickoff gets ready for 19th ranked BYU on the road to face Baylor, about a 5-1 team. Saturday, 2 Eastern time on BYU TV and the app. Dave, Blaine, David, and Spencer get you ready with pregame interviews, access like nobody else. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation from Studio B. Well, the Nakua brothers have been a welcome addition to the receiving core. Both went to Pac-12 schools out of high school, Samson to Utah for four years, make it five, and Puka Nakua for a couple of years at Washington. But they find themselves now in Provo, a place closer to home. This is Deep Blue featuring Samson and Puka Nakua, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. So Puka's real name is actually Makea. Puka is a nickname when he was little, um, probably when he hit about walking age, he just like was this little fat Buddha, had no neck, had this bald head. Puka's one of the most athletic kids I've ever seen in football. So he's got tons of athleticism. Then you look at his body and he's a big body. He takes everything uh, serious and does it um, 100%. Puka's like, all right, we're going to work out right now. I'm like, are you sure, bro? We just worked out like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and he's like, we're going again. And I was like, all right, sounds good, bro. I'm going to win this game because right here, he's about to gutter both of these right here. He's about to throw him right down the gutter and blow it. He's got two strikes in a row, but he's not like that. <laughs> This is exactly how Samson is. He's always going to fight for his family. He wasn't even close. And that's why I actually named Samson. Because when he was in my tummy, I just remember feeling like he he just was this strong kid. That's always been his personality. He's just one of those guys that he steps on the field or walks into a meeting room or whatever. He brings a lot of energy to everything he does. He talks to everybody. As much as he seems like he doesn't talk, he talks to a lot of people. It's like he's like the perfect median, I guess. Consistency, baby. I'm out here every time, hitting pins, knocking him down. This kid's just all over the place. It's ugly. It's not beautiful. I play a beautiful game. It's art, what I do. I think he can get annoying sometimes because I spend so much time with him, obviously. Don't ride the highs too high, don't ride the lows too low. But when you know one brother, I think you know the rest in the Nakua family. And these are guys who are full of life, who are competitive, who are passionate about everything that's in front of them. And I'm just thrilled at the chance I have to get to work with two of the five boys in that family. And I know they're going to make BYU better. And our job is to make them better uh, because they're here. We weren't the wealthiest. We had a lot of kids. And, you know, club sports are really expensive because they're traveling 24-7. But we've made it work. My dad made it work. He had us hustle with him, so he would have us set up the concession stands um, with selling the candy and the drinks during the tournaments. And then at the end of the day, our dad would have us go scrape the gums and then mop the floors down of the, all the basketball courts in the gym. He helped us to learn like ways to like you know give back. There's a lot of good times of working with my dad and stuff. <laughs> He always loved being at the games. He loved being able to just teach his kids, you know, the sport, instilling in them that fire and passion to play to win and to give it your best. May 14th, 2012. That's where Pops is at. Yeah. It's game day a little bit. But, you know, I just came to visit family. Get the mind right take a little off football. Actually, when this started, it, there was, it was a baby tree. It wasn't even, there's no shade here, honestly. And now it's all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel 
had diabetes. He was a type 2 diabetic. As time had progressed, his diabetes just worsened. I remember him calling uh, for my older brothers to ask him to sit up um, out of bed. They couldn't really even get him up either. My dad just said he couldn't get up. and uh... He was having diabetic symptoms that I wasn't aware of. And so in that time frame that they were rushed to the hospital, his heart was racing so fast. The medications they were trying to give him to slow down his heart rate wasn't working. So they felt like inducing a coma to help. And unfortunately, um, he didn't make it. And then stuff happened so quick and we ended up in Utah. And uh, my mom brought us all here, and uh, probably the best move for us to get out of Vegas, you know, start over. We still did things together as a family, but there was obviously that missing part that wasn't there with us. But there was a plan that he had put together of us just being able to use sports as a platform for us to achieve the, the wants and goals in our life. And that would be a way for us to help, help our family and live his legacy, I guess, in a way. This has been a long time. I wish I could come here more, but it's always been a struggle for me to come here. I guess that's always been the plan. Just stick together with our families. It was only fitting that game one's here in Las Vegas, back where he is and where it all kind of started. Being a loving, eternal husband and a best friend, he was just good to everyone, wanting to help everyone out, trying to figure figure out every every way possible to help them out and help our family out. Helps me when I'm when I know I'm not where I need to be or when I'm not hitting the goals that I want to hit. Is remember why I'm doing it and the reason I'm doing it is the example that was set before me is to work hard and to take care of those around me and that's what I'm trying to do. We can all take take it for granted sometimes and the Nakua boys definitely don't. Seeing the way that they represent themselves uh, on the field and off the field has been really impressive for me and it's an honor for me to be their coach. They are very lucky to have their mom that they have to lose their dad um, in the phase of life that they did for their mom to raise five boys those with those types of strong personalities um, they've kept her young she's an angel she's a, a warrior and um, they're super lucky to have Benina as their mom quarantine was it was really a super nice Samson came home everybody was home it was a hard time but also a good time a lot of people were, you know, lost some loved ones. Um, some people got sick, but um, for me and my family, I think it, it was the best thing for us. We got to grow a lot closer. We actually got to spend time away from football. It was nice to be home with everybody. It just felt like we hadn't been home as a family together in a long time. As much as I thought I wanted to get out to Seattle, and I love Seattle, and I learned a lot and grown a lot, and I got to see stuff that I feel like I wanted to see and I wouldn't see out here in Utah. But then I was like, I miss you. I miss being around my family. It's what I, it's, I guess, all my family's out here, my mom's cousins and stuff like that. So, Puka, you know, brought it to my attention. The timing of everything is just perfect, honestly. It doesn't seem like 
God will put anything in our way for like right now. Like he said, this is just God's timing. It was all perfect. Everything's aligned. Yeah, I don't know. It was hard. I guess everything, there was nothing bad in this, from my situation at the University of Washington. But family, my family has made it easier, I guess, for sure. Being able to come home to familiar faces and, and keep me on track. It was so hard to leave Utah. I mean, they five years up there, they were always good to me. Um, they let me be who I was for my five years, and uh, I was breaking down crying, and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I, I know it's the right thing to do to leave, go home, but it just wasn't easy leaving the, my boys like that. And so I just followed Puka's past, just kept praying about it, find peace for an answer and stuff, and find peace within myself uh, to see if this was uh, the right move. And, uh, came to the decision and uh, we ended up here and uh, it feels great. It feels uh, it feels like home, honestly. <laughs> what would you think of these two coming together oh. and playing here now? <laughs> he would be so proud of them. And I'm, I'm positive that he played a, a little part in maybe them coming here. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Join us Saturday night, number 15 BYU Women's Soccer host 9-2-2 Pacific, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. And of course, BYU TV and BYU radio apps are free. Our question of the day, does the outcome of Saturday's game depend more upon quarterback play or winning the turnover battle? Our elite voice of the day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Ben Nichols on Twitter. Turnovers were the only thing so far that have given BYU a loss all season. We've played all three quarterbacks at different times this season. So as long as we win the turnover margin, we have a chance to win every game. The defense has an important role in all of this. Do you agree? Quiet the stadium. Yes, quiet the stadium, create turnovers, shut down the homecoming celebration. Love it. Today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Hard not to feel a lot when you see the Nakua's deep blue. Incredible story. Love those boys. Love their mom. That family is awesome. Amen. Our thanks to today's guest, Riley Nelson. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, hashtag BYUSN. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Wayman Hamilton. See you tomorrow for more BYUSN from Waco and Provo. Go Cougs!